Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast, where you'll find fresh messages uploaded weekly. Pathway Church is a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and we're on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. We hope that what you hear today will help you to take one step closer to Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us, and if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe. Well, it has been a fantastic morning already. Hope you're enjoying the beautiful weather for this time of the season as well. Um, for those who are, are visiting with us, or maybe you've been away for a little while, you're coming in on a, on a very special moment, a special Sunday for us. Today, as I mentioned, is Commitment Sunday. It is the tail end, the fourth week of a, of a four-week message series called Stretch, uh, but it is the beginning of a two-year faith and giving initiative that we are also calling Stretch. And so we're uh, taking a step today in that direction. The, the theme verse for this campaign and the tent that you see behind me and all of the various pieces comes from Isaiah chapter 54, where God speaks to the nation of Israel at a time in history when things were not looking very great for them. And he tells them this, he says, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. God tells them to prepare by stretching what they have in preparation for what God is about to do as he blesses them to continue his plan through them. And so that's been the theme verse over the last uh, number of weeks. And we've been talking about over the last number of weeks what it means to stretch our faith, uh, specifically in the area of giving, but also in general. And today we're going to be taking steps by filling out these commitment cards uh, that you find on the seats. And as Ken mentioned already, if you're a guest with us here, we're not expecting you to fill out a two-year giving commitment, although you can if you want to. That's, that's not the purpose of today. Uh, but these are a significant commitment that we're making as a church um, together. And honestly, this is a special moment for us because, I mean, over the course of a year, we all make commitments and we all stretch in various ways. But it is something unique and special when an entire community of people stretches together. Uh, this morning, the first service was, was full, and, and people moved together as we made commitments. Um, there's something special about a whole community of people taking a step together in faith. Uh, so it's just so exciting to see uh, what's happening. So we've been talking about this idea of stretching. And we've said that stretching is when you reach or extend beyond your normal limits. We all have normal limits within, we, with, within which we operate. When we stretch, we go beyond. And honestly, when we stretch, and God is often asking us to stretch in various ways, when we stretch beyond our limits and our capabilities, guess what happens? We need God, right? Because if I can do it, I will do it. But the moment God asks me to do something that is just a little beyond me, which is kind of what he did all through the scriptures, when he asks me to do something that's beyond me, I have to stretch. And in that moment, I need to depend on him. We've been saying this as well, that when we stretch, every single time we stretch, we increase our capacity. This is not just true in the area of giving, it's actually true in every area of our life. I was thinking this week about how um, my wife Jessica and I um, started our family, and when we were newly married, we thought about this, and we're waiting for the right time, and we decided this was the right time, and so my wife was pregnant with our first son. And uh, I remember as we were getting ready to go to the hospital for, for his delivery, uh, we were so excited, we thought we were ready. You know, we had read the book, books, 
right? We took the class, you know, and learned how it all works and how I was supposed to support her. Uh, and so we go to the hospital, bag packed, expectant, it's exciting. And uh, I remember our, our son came into the world and we stayed at the hospital for a day and a half or so. And then we were going to take this child home. And then it dawned on us, we weren't ready. <laughs> and I remember I couldn't get the car seat in the car. You ever try to figure that out? It's, it's pretty tricky. And so I'm trying to get the car seat in. We get the ba- we go home, and it was so intense. Like in those first days and those first weeks, we were, it felt like we were drowning. Anybody ever had a kid? You know what I'm talking about? Like you're like, they didn't send a manual. What am I supposed to do now? And we felt like we were drowning. And in those early days, we started to figure things out. We were well beyond our capacity. But, you know, given a year, year and a half, two years, we started to be like, Initially, it felt like we were drowning in this journey called parenthood, and then it was like, we got this. We were like swimming around, you know, like we, we've got this figured out. We think we're turning out some pretty good stuff here, so we thought, why not do this again? So we had a second child. Our second uh, child, Naomi, came into the world, and we thought, we know what we're doing. We got this figured out, and then she shows up, and she's entirely different than our first child, and we're like, oh, and the learning curve began again, and once again, it felt like we were drowning because there was as many as them as there was of us. And so we're stretching in our parenting. Eventually, though, again, given another couple years, we were like, hey, this is pretty easy. We're good parents. We've got two kids. Nobody died yet. Like, this is great. And then, so we had a third child. Nathaniel comes into the world, and that was a great experience. But then we bring him home, and once again, we're like drowning. It's like, oh my goodness, there's more of them than there are of us. We had to move from man-to-man defense. For those of you who are sport, like sports analogies, we're now playing zone defense, Right? <laughs> I'll take this one, you take that one, we'll hand off that one, and we're trying to figure out, and we're drowning again. But in time, guess what happened to our capacity as parents? It grew. My wife was like, hey, we have an odd number, this just won't work. And so we had a fourth child, and our daughter Nora came into the world, uh, who was up here doing the splits uh, last week, it was really fun. And uh, Nora came into the world, and what I remember about this is how different the birth of our fourth child was from the birth of our first child. I remember being in the hospital with my wife, and she was like a half an hour from delivery, and we're joking with the doctor, and we're relaxed, and we're just kind of chatting. This was like a great relaxed experience, if you can call that. Well, it was relaxing for me, uh, but we're there, and, and everything's going great. And then the baby is born. They do the checks. The baby's healthy, and this time like, I'm walking up to the car, and I'm just like click, 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 seats in, off we go. We're driving home, totally relaxed, and my wife and I look at each other, and she's like, it's only one and she's sleeping. Let's go to Costco. And so we, so we go shopping, right, with this, you know, 18-hour-old baby. And we're walking through the store like, isn't this the greatest? But what happened was our capacity as parents continued to increase. And in reality, if we had waited until we were ready to have a kid, guess what? You're never ready. But it's amazing what happens when you step into something like that. Your capacity increases as you're stretched. And and the reason why I start with that analogy is because I know that in this room today, as we fill out these cards, there will be individuals in this room who are already giving at extremely generous levels, and and they're going to stretch even further for two years to help us move this this project and this commitment forward. But for most most of us in this room, I think what's going to happen is... um, that we're going to fill out these numbers, these faith goals that we're like, here's our commitment to give. And, and hopefully, if we're doing it right, it's a little beyond our comfort level. It, it's, we're, we're trusting in God. And I think what will happen, if I could predict two years from now when we've completed this process, 
is that some of you that right now go, man, if I give at that level, it's going to be like, oh, I'm drowning. And at the end of two years, you might find yourself going, wow, I didn't know this was so easy. I didn't know I could be this generous. Because what will happen is your capacity will increase as you take steps of faith and do that. And so that's what we're doing today. Over the last number of weeks, if you've been with us, we've actually been tracking through the story of the Exodus in the Old Testament. And we're talking about thousands of years ago, the descendants of Abraham, the Jewish nation, are in bondage in Egypt. They're, they're enslaved to the Egyptian nation. And God has this plan to set them free and bring them to a, a land, a promised land, the land of Canaan. And we've been learning a couple of weeks ago, we saw how God calls Moses and he says, hey, Moses, I'm coming down to set my people free. Awesome. Then he says to Moses, I'm sending you. And Moses goes, whoa, wait, wait a second. Like, I thought you were doing it. God says, I am going to do it. Yeah, but you just said you were sending me. And God's like, yeah, I'm going to do it through you. And so what we learned in that message is that, hey, God works through us. So be careful what you pray for. Right, Because the things that you pray and ask God to do, he'll often send you an answer to your prayer. And so we're learning how God works. And by the way, by the way, we are not ancient Israel. I don't know if you've noticed this. All right? We are not collecting swords and spears and taking the Kawarthas by force. All right? So we're looking at the history of Israel. And what we're seeing is how God worked through them. And what we're going to discover as we do so are principles and patterns that God still uses today. And so he says, hey, Moses, I'm sending you in answer to your prayer. And so Moses goes, Moses says, I don't have what it takes. God says, sure you do. You got that staff. This old thing? Yeah. And, and literally, Moses goes to the Pharaoh of Egypt with a staff and accomplishes God's purpose with it. And he leads a million or more people out of Egypt through the Red Sea. That's pretty cool. Through the wilderness where there's no food, but God provides along the way. They get the law at Mount Sinai. God gives them the Ten Commandments and the laws that would help them to establish the nation when they go into the land. And then last week, we learned about the spies. So Moses leads the people right to the edge of the promised land, and they stop and they send in spies. We learned that faith isn't blind. Many of you will become more generous through a budget and planning, and there's faith in that too. But they look at the land, they look at the obstacles. The problem was that instead of taking a step of faith forward into what God said they could have, they stepped back in fear because of the obstacles. And anything worth doing in this world, there will be obstacles. They were looking and going, oh, there's armies, there's walled cities, and there's giants. We can never do this. And God says, yeah, you can. I'll go with you. We'll do it together. I'll do it through you. And they go, oh, no. And they turned back. And for 40 years, they lived in the wilderness That entire generation has now died off, and it is their children that are once again coming to the edge of the promised land, and they're going to have to make a decision and a commitment that their parents were unwilling to make to step into the promise. And that's where we're going to pick up our story today. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, says this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead, he declares. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan. Go over this Jordan. Can we say those words together? Go over this Jordan. Now, the Jordan River was literally a line in the sand. The Jordan River separated the wilderness they were living in from the land of Canaan, the land that God had promised them. 
It was literally a border. Rivers and lakes and bodies of water often serve as wonderful borders that separate two things. And so we have this river flowing through the land, and it is the border between them and what God has promised for them. If you were to travel to Israel, you would discover that the Jordan River is not really that formidable. However, during the rainy seasons, it can become a larger river as the banks grow. And I have an image here of the actual Jordan River from Israel. Okay. And so you can imagine trying to move men, women, children, the elderly across this river without bridges and other equipment could be very difficult. And so they literally come to the edge of this river and there's this decision of whether they're going to step into the land and wage war against the armies, the walled cities, and the giants, or they will remain in the wilderness where they have spent the rest of their life up to this point. They're at this moment of decision. I believe the Jordan River in this, if we were using it allegorically, represents a moment of decision or commitment. And I'll explain more about why. Because on this side of the river, they are a threat to those nations. They must have wondered, what are all these people doing in the wilderness? And where are they going to land? Right? They were worried. But the moment they step foot across the river, they would become invaders. The battle would be on. Decision made. And so God says to Joshua, tell the people, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them. Notice those words. We'll throw them up on the screen. Go over the Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Must have been exciting, right? God just said he was giving us the land. So that means we can put up our feet and relax while he does all the work, right? Wrong, right? How do you think God will give them the land? If you've been here over the last number of weeks, then you know the answer is through them. God would use them to take the land that he promised to give them. In fact, in the next verse, he continues by saying this, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. God says, I am giving you the land. I will go with you. I'll do it through you, but you got to take a step. I'll give it to you, but I won't give you anything you're not willing to walk towards. I'm not going to give it to you unless you cross the river. God says, you're going to have to go and you're going to have to take it, but I will give it to you. This is often how God works. And so today I want to just quickly highlight how the nation of Israel crossed the Jordan, how they went over the Jordan. And again, we're not crossing a river today, thankfully. Some of you are dressed really nice. That wouldn't be great. We're not crossing a river today, but we are making a commitment today. And there are four principles that I want to pull out of how they crossed the river that I believe apply to us today. Here's the, here's the first one. They followed the Lord. Joshua 3 verse 3 says this, as soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, your God, being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. The ark of the covenant was a wooden chest that was overlaid with gold. It was on two wooden beams that were overlaid with gold. Pretty fancy. Inside the chest were contained the Ten Commandments like the hand-chiseled commandments that Moses cut out of the rock and God wrote the commandments on himself. That is sitting inside this chest. The, The Ark of the Covenant represented for the people the presence of God. And Joshua says, here's how we're going to cross the river. We're going to follow the Lord. Now, of course, God doesn't live in a box. And of course, today, I mean, it would be really awesome if we had a golden chest and I could just say to you guys, hey, you want to know the Lord's will? Follow the box. 
That would be so nice, but that doesn't work that way. When we come to the New Testament, it tells us a number of things that are really important as we're thinking about what it means to follow the Lord. It tells us that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the Spirit of God, same Spirit that led the nation of Israel in the wilderness, dwells in you. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you. Jesus said that when the Spirit would come, He would lead us and guide us into all truth. So, God isn't living in a box. If you're following Christ, then he lives in you, and he's going to lead you where he wants you to go. But we have to learn to listen, and we have to learn to follow. This is the discipleship piece. Now, you may say, well, how do I know how to hear the voice of God? How do I know where he's leading me? How do I know it's not my emotions leading me? Because your emotions will lead you to do things. You know, uh, your, your conscience will lead you to do things, and your conscience is very helpful, but sometimes your conscience can be wrong too. So how do I know that I'm hearing the voice of God? Well, I would, I would say to you that we learn to distinguish his voice through practice, through spending time with him. Now, I could be in a room of this size with this many people, and everyone's chattering about. And if my wife Jessica's in the room talking somewhere, and I can't even see her, I will recognize her voice. Do you know why? Because I've spent so many years listening to her. So many years of her talking to me, telling me things I need to know. She's so helpful, right? Reminding me all the time. And and I love her. And her voice is so distinguishable to me. It's true of my children. You recognize your child's voice out out of a crowd. Isn't it amazing how that works? I can be sitting at small group, you know, eating a piece of pie, talking, and down in the basement, whomp! You hear a kid cry, and I'm thinking, not my kid. (laughs) for once it's not my kid not my problem and so it's amazing you your your ears can be tuned to hear God's Jesus said those who have ears to hear let them hear it takes time with him listening obeying we develop the ability to hear God's voice and uh, and so we do that by listening and by acting and spending time with him so they followed the Lord we need to follow the Lord This campaign, yes, we have a goal. Yes, we're asking people to give and make commitments. But ultimately, what we're asking you to do is listen to the Lord. And and if you do so, it's going to benefit you in other areas of your life as well because it is the way God leads us. Number two, they took a step. This is fascinating to me. In, In verse 14 of the third chapter, it says, So when the people set out from their tents, they're following the Lord, to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant. So they're going out front with this chest that represents God's presence. They're following it to the river. Verse 15, And as soon as those bearing the Ark, the priests, had come as far as the Jordan, they're like at the river like, now what? says, And the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped into the brink of the water. So literally the priests get their feet wet. They start walking into the river. It's still flowing. What's fascinating to me about this is the last time God led them through the Red Sea, God did it all for them. Moses held up his rod and the, the, the sea opened and they went through on dry land. And it was like, oh, that was easy. This time, God is like, okay, all right. We're developing faith here. This time you're going to walk into the water and then see what happens. You're going to take a step before the waters part. And they walk into the water. And then if we continued to read, it would tell us that the river was stopped up upstream in a certain town. Now, what's fascinating to me is I found this YouTube video this week. It was really interesting. The guy was like, let me tell you how this happened. You know, he said, in the town that the Bible says, there are these massive cliffs overhanging the Jordan River. And 
numerous times in the last century, there have been earthquakes, and the mudslide comes down and blocks up the river for a day, the river dries up. See, it wasn't a miracle. And I'm thinking, that's amazing. They walked into the water, and all that happened at the very same time? Wow. God will use natural means. And, and I don't know how that all works, but they walk into the water, and they're standing there like, now what? We're standing in the water, holding the ark. Everyone's on the shore waiting, like, now what? And the river starts to dry up. Wow. And, and the priests, they stand in the middle of the river that is dried up. And here's the third thing. They move together. They're listening. They're following the leading of the Lord. They take a step even before they see God move. And then number three, they moved together. Notice what the text says. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over. Men, women, children, seniors, everyone together on dry ground until the nation finished crossing over. They moved together into this commitment. Now you may be thinking, really? Crossing a river, is that really a commitment? Well, let me tell you, it was a commitment. Because if we continue to read the next chapter, what you discover is that as soon as they got across the river, do you know what happened? That river started flowing again. Now they're trapped in the land with the giants and the walled cities and the armies. Not only is their way of escape cut off, but the manna that God had been feeding them with day by day, it stopped the very next day. So now they have no food and no escape. I guess we're doing this. They had crossed the river. They had stepped into the the commitment that they were going to take the land. And so from there, of course, if we were to read on the story, they go and begin step by step, city by city, taking the land that God had promised them. It was a seven-year initiative for them. Ours is only a two-year initiative. Here's the fourth thing they did. They followed the Lord. They took a step. They moved together. And here's the fourth thing. I love this. They marked the moment. They marked the moment. Let me show you this. Chapter 4, verse 4, Joshua calls the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe or each family. There was a representative for each family. And Joshua said, pass on before the ark of the Lord into the midst of the Jordan. They're in the empty riverbed. And take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder. And since these are men, they're probably taking the very largest stone they could find. And "Ah, look how big mine is. And so they're going out of the river with these giant stones. According to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. What do you mean a sign? Well, it goes on to tell us that they, they took all these rocks from the riverbed up onto the shore and they piled them up or set them out in a way that people would see them. And here's why he continues, when your children ask in time to come, future generations are going to come by this pile of stones and go, what's with the pile of stones? And they're going to explain, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it passed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off, so these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Future generations will see this pile of stones and be like, oh, God did something special. This was a moment the people stepped across the river into the promise, into their commitment to take the land that God had said he would give them. Today for us, again, uh, we are stepping into a commitment as a church family. And again, as I said, if you're a guest here, I don't want this to be awkward for you. Uh, But for those of us who call Pathway Church home, we have these commitment cards that we're going to be filling out in just a moment. Some of you may have already uh, filled one out. And I want to just talk to you for a few moments about what this is and what this isn't. 
And I want to show you a few examples and talk about how we're going to step forward as a church into this commitment. Uh, first thing I wanted to let you know is that this card, this commitment card, really is a way to formalize a spiritual commitment. In our lives, we make commitments all the time. We just very rarely make a spiritual commitment. We just don't formalize it, right? If you want to get a cell phone, you have to sign your life away for two years that you're going to commit to that thing. If you're getting a vehicle or a house or a gym membership, you ever tried to break out of one of those, by the way? It's brutal, right? So we make commitments all the time. We just very rarely, if ever, make a formal commitment to a spiritual process. And that's what this card is intended to be. You see, all of us have good intentions. And I know that if you're here today, you want this to succeed. You're for this. Um, we all have these wonderful intentions. But there's something happens when we put something in writing. It becomes formal. My wife will say to me, hey, Nathan, can you do this project this weekend? I'm like, ah, no problem. And then sometimes, because she's gotten wiser over the years, she'll say, "Um, can I get that in writing? And when she says that, it never actually happens, but when she asks that question, I know I got to take this seriously. It's like, wait a minute. She doesn't want my intention. She wants my commitment. And I stop and I check my calendar. I'm like, oh, actually, I have stuff going on and I can't do it this weekend. Something happens when you put something in writing. And these cards are a tool to help you formalize a commitment to give. That's what it's intended to be. In fact, if, let's say, a year from today, we have half of the money that we're trying to raise already raised, and the perfect space comes available, and we want to pursue it, and we go to the bank and say, here's how much we have. Here's the building. Can we work this all out? They will ask us the question, do you have commitments? How much is coming in? And we'll say, well, people really are behind this. They love it. And they'll say, do you have anything in writing? Because even they know that when someone puts their name down and a number on a piece of paper, it means something significant. And so this is a way to formalize a spiritual commitment. This card, filling it out, actually turns a good intention into a commitment. What this card isn't, let me tell you what this card isn't. This card is not a contract. We do not have accounts receivable team at Pathway Church. All right, no one's going to be chasing you down. This is your best intention with God's help. And honestly, if, if all of us just wrote down what we knew we could do without any faith, without God's help, we probably won't reach our goal, and it probably wouldn't be a faith exercise either. And so we want people to be listening to God and taking steps of faith into new territory as they fill out these cards. But I also want you to know that life happens, and I don't want you to make your cards based on the uncertainty of the future. What happens if I lose my job in six months? What happens if my job make, I have to move away from Peterborough? And I'm gone three months from now. Do I have to keep this commitment that I made? And all of those uncertainties of life, you know, my income varies because I'm on commission or, you know, I'm going on maternity leave and how is this all going to work out? What we want you to know is that we will adjust with you. Let us know if something changes. In fact, if you're in a bad situation six months from now, we want to support you because this is about people. This isn't about a building. This is a people campaign. And so my hope is that through this process, we would be stretching our faith together as a church. Um, Last night, we had our advanced commitment service in here, and uh, a number of leaders and volunteers came together, and uh, we prayerfully started the process and handed in some cards. And uh, honestly, it was such a special moment seeing people take the first steps, and leaders always go first, and seeing that happen was so amazing. And one of the things that really, really touched me... um, afterwards, um, we were just kind of looking over the cards and seeing where we're at for today as we, we start into this. Um, there, were, there, were, <laughs> there were cards. There were kids and teens in the room last night that, you know, probably had to come with their parents. 
And they grabbed a card and were putting numbers down and committing to give. And that moved my heart because to me, when I think about what we're trying to do, I'm thinking we're doing this for the next generation. And I see them going, we want in on this. We want to be part of this. And this, this process is more than just a financial goal. Yeah, we're trying to raise X number of dollars and all of that. This is about learning to be generous. This is about stretching our faith. And that's for everybody. So that was super, super encouraging for me to see last night. And, and I'm confident that if we all take steps of faith together, we're going we're gonna to knock this thing out of the park. Um, I wanted to just quickly show you a couple of example cards, okay? I know math is tricky, and sometimes people have a hard time understanding how these cards work. So let me just throw up, you have a card on your uh, chair, on your lap. Uh, here's what the bottom piece looks like that you would fill out, and I'm just going to kind of walk you through how someone might process this. Um, the first name we have is Chris and Ivana Stretch. I like that. Um, Chris and Ivana have been, have been giving uh, at, a, at a relatively high level. They've been very consistent. They're giving, they're giving $6,000 a year to the church. Uh, they have perfectly decided to expand their giving by $2,000 a year. So it totals up to $8,000 per year times two. This is a two-year campaign. And then they've uh, also decided to give $1,500 from stored resources. Might be stocks or mutual funds or something they had saved. The total two-year commitment is that box on the right, $17,500. Now, that number on the right in that box is the number that we're going to use as we collect all these cards, and we're going to put this against our our goal, and we'll be able to report back to you on where we are as a church. Um, but it requires you to do the math correctly. So one more example, because uh, math is hard, and sometimes um, we get tricked up by it. So here's one, Ben Givens. He's been given. Um, he, he normally gives $1,000 a year. He would be um, an occasional giver, $100 here, $300 there, as he has money. But he's deciding to make giving a priority for the first time in his life. Um, has a decent job and has said, I'm going to give off the top, give in advance, and wants to raise it by $3,000. So there's the annual total, $4,000 times two, $8,000, and $500 from store. He was saving for a snowboard. And so now he's going to give some of that money towards this campaign. There's the two-year all-in number. And once again, in case you haven't been around, all donations given to our church for the next two years are going towards the, the stretch campaign. We're, we're not setting up separate accounts and tracking, building money. We're just giving to the mission of the church. We're going to reach this goal together. Those two-year numbers are the ones we're going to use. Um, some of you may uh, be wondering, like, how, how, if I make a commitment, how will all this be tracked? Well, we have a, a, an automated system that we can load in um, your uh, campaign commitment if you fill out a card today. So when you get quarterly statements or whenever you log into your account on our system, you'll be able to see your stretch goal, what you put in, how long it's been, and every transaction. So you'll always know where you're at. We'll be sending up feedback and uh, following up with you to help you know where uh, you are in the process. And so um, that's what we're going to be doing. So today as we fill out the cards, and we're going to give you time in just a moment to fill these cards out if you haven't done so already um, we're going to give you the opportunity to fill out these cards. And I should say there's a, a graph on the back, which, which has confused everybody. <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah, that's me. Um, this is just a chart. This is just a matrix that shows how a campaign like this would ha typically happen. There are a number of large gifts that you'll see across the top that help to, to, to catalyze uh, uh, a campaign like this. But every gift matters, and, and these are not suggestions for you on how much to give. It's literally just a, a graph. Some people calculate their money weekly, monthly, not annually. And so for you, if you're looking at a particular number over two years, I want to give 
$11,000, you can scroll across and go, oh, that's $106 a week. It, it can help you to do some of the math as you consider filling out your card today. So that's, that's what that is for. Uh, what we want to do today as we wrap up is give you an opportunity to fill out these cards. And again, the process we want to have is we want to follow the Lord. We want to take a step. We want to move together in unity and we want to mark the moment. I wanted to share with you how we're going to do that. Uh, we have these little, oh my, I don't have my nail. Somebody have a nail for me? Nail, please. Um, <laughs> I had it in my pocket and now I lost it. So uh, we're going to mark the moment. Um, like the nation of Israel, what they did is they, they took these stones and they piled them up as a memorial to this event and this moment. Um, today, what's going to happen, uh, as you fill out your cards when you're done, we've got boxes on the right and on the left that you can bring up your card, put those into the box. Uh, someone will be standing in the middle with a board with these nails. So these are our horseshoe nails that look like little tent pegs. And there is a tag on it. And what we want you to be able to do is we want you to be able to take this nail and this tag. You'll put your card in, grab a nail, and this is a way for you, all right, to drive your stake in the ground. And so when you're leaving today, we put it in the lobby because this is a family thing. And if you have kids, you may want to have them be involved in this process. It's important for them to see this. Uh, that you will take this out to the lobby. We have black Sharpies in the lobby and you'll be able to write your family name. Or if you're an individual, you want to put your first name, that's fine, whatever. Um, you can put your name on this and you're going to drive it into an art piece that we've created for the stretch campaign. The reason why we want to do this is uh, we're going to turn that into some string art and all of the names of the people who stretch their faith to help us get here are going to be on that board. And one day it's going to hang in the lobby of our new space and people will walk by and go, what's that all about? And we can say, that was this moment, November 4th, where as a church, we all committed together to stretch in some way. Some of you may be like, hey, I can't give more, but a stretch for you is writing down what you're currently doing and say, I'm committing to keep doing that. Um, Whatever it is for you, this is the heart work, this is faith, but we want you to be able to take this, um, involve your kids, drive it in there, and it will serve as a reminder of this moment. So with that, I'm going to allow uh, the music to play, and uh, Rhea, you can come on up. So I want to give you a few minutes to fill out those cards. If you haven't done so already, you have a pen on your chair. Um, again, if you're a guest with us, please be praying for us as we make these commitments. We appreciate that. Um, some of you have come with these already filled out and you can begin coming whenever you're ready. Uh, you don't have to wait. People will be coming and going. If you're not participating, you can remain in your seats and that's just fine. Uh, but we'll just allow you to come whenever you're ready. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. See you next week.